CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Incomparable, number 637, October 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. It's time for another edition of Old Movie Club. Old Movie Club! Uh, this is a very old movie, so old that I was alive and well when it was released as, I believe, was my entire panel. So, so old. Such an old movie. That seems to be happening more and more with old movies. It, it's not like you could have gone to see it when you were when it, when it came out in the theater. Yes, when I was three years old, I, mm-hmm. I, I was not, uh, it was ra- rated too high for me. I couldn't, I was, yeah. wouldn't have been allowed in, even though I tried Very to Very popular sneak with the in. toddlers, yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, the Happy Meal toys are amazing. <laughs> it is a, considered one of the great films. It is 1974's Chinatown. A uh, noir detective movie set in Los Angeles. And to discuss it, I have the following wonderful people. Of course, it wouldn't be Old Movie Club without the person who selects the movies, Philip Michaels. Hello. Ah, you know what I'm here to discuss tonight, Jason? What? The future, Mr. Snail. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) Also, I'm here to discuss Chinatown. Okay, good. That's Yeah. Good. Uh, That's excellent. Steve Lutz is here. Hello. Hi there, Jason. Uh, I'm here, as usual, to do as little as possible. Hi! <laughs> uh, Shelly Brisbane joins us. Hello. Hi. I-, I hear the salt is bad for the glass. Is that right? <laughs> uh, David J. Lore is one of my two, uh, I don't know, helpers. He uh, Associates. Leg, leg men. <laughs> leg David. men. Uh, the, the day I'm your leg man. Well, I am your leg man. Uh, but the my, my more capable leg man is Dr. Drang. Hello. <laughs> hey, kitty cat. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to start with an observation about the passage of time, if I may. Make like a oh, sort no. of an opening statement. <laughs> like just, sands through the hourglass. Just to say, well, okay. So this is, you go, look, go on Wikipedia and it says it's a neo-noir mystery drama. It is, uh, it is a noir detective story. There's no doubt about it. There's a there's a, a a private detective. There's a femme fatale uh, who's pro- posing as a different femme fatale, which is kind of a fun thing. There's a there's a plot that kind of escalates and yet is sort of twisty. And the detective does some stuff that's probably pretty dumb and almost gets himself killed at several points. It's very noir, but of course it was made in 1974, um, which is when I had that realization that uh, that that what I want to say is something like. Well, this is a 50-year-old movie, but you don't understand. It's in the style of a 
70-year-old movie. <laughs> and I realized that the gap between the noir, the classic or you know or or 80-year-old movie, the the gap between the classic noirs and Chinatown much less than the gap between Chinatown and us. So yeah. anyway, neo is a relative term. Just dig a hole and I'll jump in. Um <laughs> Uh, any, any, Phil, why did you pick Chinatown? Uh, pick Chinatown because it's a, it, I, I, I love the noirs. I especially, uh, like movies from the 70s. And, and as you said, the passage of time now allows us to pick movies from the 70s and not go, come on, that's not an old movie. Oh, oh, yes, it is, friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll be 50 damn years old, uh, in, in two years. Even, and, uh, e- even Shelley is here. I think yeah. that proves even- the point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> People say that all the time. Oh, if only it was filmed in black and white, then Erica could have joined us. But mm. alas, 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 glorious Technicolor. <laughs> I remember when I first uh, caught this on some cable channel. I know it didn't have commercials in it, but I remember seeing, oh, Chinatown. I've heard that's really good. I have no idea what it's about or when it was made or who's in it or anything about it. But what the hell? I'll stick through the credits. Like, oh, good, black and white. That's interesting. I know it's an old movie. And then suddenly it was in color. And I was like, what? <laughs> and and that that was the hook that kept me there until I was hooked by the actual plot of the movie, which didn't no, take sure. long to get going. But the simple fact that it's like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty old movie. And then you know, it's in color. And wait, there's Jack Nicholson. I know that guy. And he's not even that uh, that young there. And this is commonly regarded as one of the 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 greatest screenplays ever written. We can we can discuss that certainly if that if that holds water and um there's another uh topic as well that I might uh surprise you with later when uh when a certain director makes a cameo. So yeah, I, I was gonna say Bob, Bob Evans, great Hollywood producer, uh produced mm-hmm. this one. I'm sure there are lots of good also stories makes about great mashed that. potatoes. And uh, yes, indeed, I, I, when, when I asked you why you chose this movie, what I hoped you wouldn't say is, well, Jason, it's part of my campaign to bring Roman Polanski back. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It, you know, Hopefully that would be a lonely campaign. Yes. Cancel culture is such a terrible thing. <laughs> who, who among us hasn't committed a horrible sex crime and, and fled, fled France? France. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it's 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 not often that you see a film where the director, you know, you 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 think directors kind of emulate the heroes of the films, and this one, eh, not so much. Well, you know, it just depends on what your perspective is as to who the hero is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Hmm. Yeah, the first the first time I saw this was on a PBS station in 1985 in, in Philadelphia, and so no commercials, and it kept all the nudity or the the slight hints of nudity, but it took out all the four letter words, and it was a little weird. There aren't there aren't that aren't many. Ton. There aren't that many, but they were gone. In fact, they're so few that it's a little startling when they show up. You're like, not yeah. startling in a way that you're shocked. Yeah. You're just like, oh, they they can cuss in this movie. Okay, well, right, yeah, fine. yeah. He tells he tells his uh, associates to be quiet when he's on the phone at one point and uh, and drops the f bomb. And it's like it is legitimately startling. At that moment. <laughs> it's like wait, this is a hard boiled detective, and he's just saying that now. He must really mean it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jack means business. We exactly. better shut up. The contrast. No, no Hayes commission to shut down that potty mouth. <laughs> so um, this this film begins like every classic noir detective movie needs to begin, right? Which is a mysterious woman is waiting in the office of private investigator Jake Giddis. 
Get, well, technically, it begins with some softcore porn pictures. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, right. That, that, right. This You're is right. what I. This is this actually the thing I love about Chinatown. Who is our protagonist? Oh, okay. China, Chinatown announces itself because it has the the credits, which yes. are very 1930s, Classic. very 1940s, very. Oh, we've gone Spartan. down to the. We've gone down to the show to see a to see a newsreel mm-hmm. and a and a cartoon and oh this new picture show called Chinatown Johnny and um but they're scrolling which kind of breaks the uh, it the does field it a does the scrolling bit is 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 out of place but then you immediately smash cut to pictures of horrible things being done to a woman <laughs> uh-huh. and um or or loving things depending or upon quite yeah. lovely yes yeah. depend. D- depending on your your point of view for burt young it's not so lovely but i mean uh, she's married mm. to burt young yeah. so she's used mm. to terrible things happening. yeah yeah and it does set it does set the this is the classic detective thing which is being a detective is a it's an ugly dirty business right it's mm-hmm. not a not a respectable profession as much as they might want it to be because as, you as end nicely up. as Jack Nicholson dresses, and he dresses very. I was going to say he he has quite the wardrobe for. A, mm-hmm. I think there's one case in which I went, oh yeah, that's a smarmy detective tie. But the other times, <laughs> the other things you see him wearing are pretty stylish. He charges thirty dollars an hour. Thirty-five mm-hmm. plus expenses. Oh yeah, that's plus yeah. twenty yeah. for his two uh, ding dong uh, associates. <laughs> associates. Associates, yeah, and a bonus Walsh if he does his job. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. Pretty good yeah. deal. Those are good rates. So yes, but it does. After we we find out that poor uh, Bert Young is being made quite the cuckold, um, the the true story begins with the uh, with the lady waiting in uh, Jack Nicholson's office to hire him to uh, uh, see if her husband is staying on the straight and narrow. Right, right, and of course the twist here is that she is she as it turns out posing as the wife of the chief engineer of the LA department of water and power. Um, but she is not his wife. And this is all part of a larger setup, which is a nice twist on the classic. I believe my husband is having an affair, but, uh, and in a, in, in a part of the movie that I really liked is that, um, right at the, at the get go here, like, who is this guy? Like we saw those pictures, um, he's a detective. Okay, I get that. And she says, I want you to f- investigate my husband and find out if he's cheating on me. And his immediate reaction is, um, uh, like clearly that he has a checklist of all the ways he's going to try and talk her out of it. Like, you don't want to know. It's not, it's not going to help. Let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> and it's, and it's kind of interesting that yeah. you, you get the sensation that, uh, he doesn't give this checklist to Burt Young. It's yeah. only to the women. Right. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's quite obvious. It's like, I'm not, yeah. not going to take her seriously because even if she's right, it's not a case I'm particularly interested in. I'm, I'm not interested in helping her in any way. Let's just get this out of my office. Even though later on he says matrimonial is a thing that he does. So it's like, wait, this is your kind of your bread and butter, dude. I think you would just take this up. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I read it as, as being a tiny shred of humanity in him, which is... If we go down this path, because he's probably been through this no, so much. It's I'm like not if, giving him credit for you're that You're not going to give all. him credit for that? No. <laughs> if we go down this path, it's going to be bad, and you already suspect him. So really, do you need to see it? Do you really need that? She's like, you know, yes, little I lady, why don't you just calm down? I think it's going to be fine. Don't see, worry I, about I it. I think you, you look wealthy. You're fine. Dames always go back to their husband. They, yeah. She'll never follow fine. through with it. I think it's a thing that he's trying to wrong wrong footer so that... Uh, 
so that she's more inclined than ever to find out. Oh. But that's, oh. that's interesting. 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 It, it's, it's to build trust and build uh, 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 a rapport with your client. It does establish than, his credibility. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I feel like these are the weeder questions he asks every client. He's trying to determine whether there's really something here so he doesn't mm. spend the next two weeks taking pictures of, you know, random people arguing outside the peach pit or the, the pig and whistle. The pig and whistle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A place that does, in fact, exist. Yeah. All right. That's fair enough. The idea that he's um, this is it. Do, it definitely feels like he is going through a checklist, right? Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. No, this, oh, yeah. He's done this a million times. He like starts his whole thing with, "Oh no." Yeah, he's got that that great line reading. The I think my husband is being unfaithful. Oh no, really? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's got this his is, his checklist to go know. through. To, you know, to your point about this being famously well written, there's so much that we learn in this in this beginning. I mean, first we get Bert Young, who shows up later, of course, uh, and we we learn that Jake what Jake Giddies does. We we know how he does it. We know what kind of person he is in just a minute or so. Mm-hmm. Really, it's it's very compact. And we also get introduced really quickly to the uh, the stakes because he goes immediately to the. Um, the hearing on the dam that they're trying to build to uh, bring water out from the valley into uh, downtown Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And within the span of a minute, 90 seconds, we we find out that Mulray doesn't, Hollis Mulray, the head of the water and power department, doesn't want to build the dam, but everyone else wants the dam because they want the water. Yeah, it's quite a contentious public meeting, and it's funny because it's 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 set up as being very much like, well, we got to decide: are we going to make this dam, or are we not going to make this dam? That other dam, you know, we, but but we got to make this dam. And then Mulray stands up and he goes, "Okay, the last dam collapsed, which is a true story <laughs> that that there was a there was a catastrophic dam failure that killed a lot of people. Uh, that's a true story." And he says, "So I, he essentially says, so I don't care if you decide to build the dam, I won't build it." <laughs> Oh. Well, he says he says it's not going to work, and for that yeah. reason, I'm not yeah. going to build it. He's speaking build as it. an engineer. He, he just he's, says he's, no, and and they aren't interested in the fact that it doesn't work. They're mm. just like, you will build it, or we're going to come and kill you, or whatever. Well, it turns turns out, right? Turns, turns out, out. Yeah. those yeah. are the yeah. stakes, right? Which is like powerful <laughs> men say we're going to build a dam, and the the engineer says it won't work, so we aren't going to build it. And the powerful men are like, oh yes, Mister Engineer, oh, you're yes. right. We're going to do what you say. Nope, that's not what happens. No, that's never what happens. Well, there are more oh, powerful oh, men oh, elsewhere. Yes. Dr. Drake, did you have engineer feelings while watching poor I old did, but, but I have more. I have, but I have more engineer feelings later on in the movie. Okay, which which I will bring up. All right, we we have to talk about Rance Howard here. Yes, uh, making he, making Irate a wonderful farmer is his, t- is his shepherd. Name. Irate Shepherd is what he. I have Angry Shepherd written down in my notes. I believe he's credited as Irate Farmer. Yeah, but he, but he, he's the one who brings the sheep in, right? Yeah, he's even got yeah. a crook. Their I mean, names are Ron. Right. Right. thing I noticed. Their names are Ron and Clint Drang. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's two uh, celebrity uh, dads in this movie because not only is Rance Howard the father of Ron and Clint Howard in this movie, but there's a guy later where I paused it because I said, "God, that guy looks like Crispin Glover." Oh, it's Crispin Glover's oh, yes. dad. It's Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. it happens a couple of times. It's amazing. Uh, yes, good to see Rance Howard. Uh, who you know he was in stuff. He was in stuff. Now we just think of him as Ron Howard's dad. So so what happens next, Phil? 
Uh, well, he starts trailing uh, Mulray around, uh, partially to find the girl. But it seems that what he's really doing is um, spending a lot of time going to the the, the ocean, where Ooh. there's mysterious runoffs in the middle of a drought. Hmm, that seems suspicious. But uh, uh, eventually, one of uh, 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 Giddis's ding-dong associates, as Steve said, calls and says, Yay, we, we found him down by the lake again. Water. Mm. Mm. And uh, he's in the company of a young lady. And uh, they're 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 on a they're 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 out for a little roll row and uh, not a so, roll ro- <laughs> and a roll that's very different and soon uh, they're, Giddis, they're playing patty cake get yes Giddis is uh, <laughs> in the boat after them taking taking photos with uh, Crispin Glover's dad yeah he's doing that thing you row and he's like oh well I we're so oh, we're having a good time click 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 I, and all that. I'm just taking photos of my friend in the boat yep in the boat totally. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Just two yeah. men enjoying each other in a boat. <laughs> Look, wearing you know, suits. He, he yeah. works for the Department of Water and Power. He's obviously obsessed with water mm-hmm. and probably power, too. Those are probably the things going on here, I think. Yes. So um, the the photographs are are made, including of uh, Mulray and uh, the Chippy, as uh, Guinness says at one point, at a, at a love nest. And uh, they find their way into the paper. There's a horrible scandal and... Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Giddis gets the the publicity that he so uh, so that that's so good for his business. Isn't this the first sign that it's a setup too? Because the the paper it gets immediately put in the paper. Immediately put in the paper. Very and, very quickly. Yeah. And Jake and Jake is not sure how it got there. Is, yes. is one of the things that we learn early on. He's all, I didn't give him to the paper, but hey, who cares? It all worked out well for me. And but unfortunately. Um, this is when we find out that his client was not Mrs. Mulray because the real Mrs. Mulray, as played by Faye Dunaway, uh, is waiting for him in the office with with lawyers. That's that is a good moment, right? <laughs> it's like, well, who are you? I'm Mrs. You know, Mulray. Do you know who uh, I am, Mr. Giddis? Uh, You've never seen me before. <laughs> Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Do you know who I am, Mr. Giddis? <laughs> oh, oh I, I don't. But what what is the line? Oh, I don't get upset. I. I have lawyers to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't get tough with anyone. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 great. Um, so obviously this is this is bad news for for Jake cuz it's it's not good for uh private detectives to uh to to get uh, uh tricked. Mm. And so at this point um uh, and now I'm trying to, to recall. Well, it, oh, it, there's a. Oh, he he, go, he goes to Mulray's office. He's going to yeah. yes, he first goes to the office where he meets the uh the uh, uh, assistant director of water oh. and power, oh, who play- played by who, who's he, meets, that guy? he meets the butler cat. Yeah, played by played by an actor <laughs> who I have a certain affection for. Yes, it's John Hillerman. It's it's mm-hmm. using his real genuine John Hillerman voice, not 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 an affected British accent, not his fake Higgins accent from Magnum PI. It's the actual John Hillerman, and he is the he is the number two at the at the DWP. Who's like ah uh, for now. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And and a good red herring, you know, should you need yes. one at any point. Yes. And and happily condescending to another private investigator. Yeah. Condescending bureaucrat. And at this and at this point, um, John Hillerman mostly played these kind of roles where it's like, I'm an officious jerk. And it is, <laughs> uh, uh, he's also a corrupt sheriff in uh, a Paper Moon that, that came out about this time. And and so I'm sure 1974 audiences are seeing John Hillerman and going, uh oh, 
this guy's trouble. It's a real William Atherton uh, of his time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's anyhow. He suggests since uh, since uh, uh, Jake is looking for Mulray that he go down to one of the reservoirs where where uh, Mulray likes to take his lunch. And uh, as you and, do, yes. And unfortunately, Moray is taking lunch there—a mm, permanent lunch, forever. a liquidy lunch. <laughs> not the and good not kind the, of liquid lunch no, either. That's no. right. They're uh, fishing him out of the reservoir where uh, where he he's dead. Which, and and it's another lovely line where it's like, you know, why are you here, Jake? I want to talk to Moray. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can try. You can try. <laughs> this is also when we learn that Jake is a former uh, police officer because the uh, lieutenant in charge of the case is, I believe, his old partner from their from their cop and days. It's Lou. I think yep. Lou. Lou Escobar. Right. Lou Escobar. Yeah. Yes. From back when they were in Chinatown. And the and the villainous Loach. Loach. Ooh, I hate that Loach. Hovering over this is like, <laughs> well, this Mulray guy, like obsessed with water. He keeps going to the water sites. You know, mm-hmm. what's the deal with all the water? And then, and yes, also he is, he's, and it's his, it's the murder weapon too. So, and I, well, and I love the line, uh, you know, water department guy drowns in the middle of a drought. Mm-hmm. How about that? <laughs> Only in California. <laughs> oh, I love, I love that corner. The corner, oh, yeah. the corner who is, um, Morbidly obese by today's standards. In 1974, people must have thought, "Oh my God, that guy's gonna die on camera." And and plus, he's got a horrible that cough. cough. He really did sort of seem like he might fall oh, over yeah. onto one of his lab tables at any moment. And I think they act they work it into the plot because how you doing, uh, Johnny? And, <laughs> I'm great, Jake. Never better. <laughs> yeah. Aren't all coroners like that, though? Yes, that's 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 a that's a. I mean, I never thing. thought of that as a coroner stereotype, but now I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> he, lo- he looks like the kind of guy that would accidentally leave a hoagie inside a corpse. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that that CIA uh, CSA emphysema spinoff just not great. And then we're we're working into his report like he died by a hoagie. I've got to cover this up. <laughs> I think uh, I think William Conrad could have played that part, David. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> in his sleep. Sure. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So the thing, so the, the, the engineer thing that struck me uh, as, as very wrong here is when Jake goes to Mulray's house, um... And I think this I think this is actually before they they he finds out that Mulray's dead. Mm-hmm. And there is this enormous house, a, a gigantic mansion with uh servants everywhere. And he's come to see Mulray, I think, and he ends up seeing uh Mrs. Mm-hmm. And uh you know that an engineer who's that rich? No. 
And certainly a pub, a public engineer, a, you know, a municipal engineer. No, that's wrong. Now, we later learn learn why he was that rich. It's because he, he owned the water department somehow. He owned Which is an interesting and, construction. And they say it several times. He owned the water department. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. I think that was true in Los Angeles. I believe it was privately owned. I, I, I think it is. I, I did read that, but it, it is. Yeah, it is kind of shocking. This is a uh, basically a... Uh, 500 foot view of the life of, um, is it William Mulholland? William Mulholland. It's yes. about 30 years too late. Yeah. I mean, it actually happened in the yeah. early 20th century. I mean, there's, there's a lot of differences and, and names were changed to protect the innocents. Obviously you've got, uh, Mul right here instead of Mulholland and oddly enough, Mulvihill as well. And I, I think I read somewhere that the two are like the dichotomy that make up, uh, right. make up Mulholland. Thing. I can't imagine how Mulvihill fits in with William Mulholland, but I didn't know the man. So... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they changed like the the St. Francis just, Dam is the Vanderlip Dam in this yeah. and a yeah. variety of other things. And then actually the St. Francis Dam thing, this was supposed to take place in 37 and that thing happened in 28, which ended Mulholland's career pretty sure. much. But yes, we should mention Mulva Hill. He is basically the former uh, sheriff of Ventura County now working as a a uh, water department thug for henchmen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he'll he'll it. pop up at very inconvenient times for for Jake Giddis throughout the movie. He's such a mini boss. I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and I I I love I, I, one of the things I love about this movie is it does not really it does a little bit of exposition, but it basically leaves you to fill in the details. Mm-hmm. We 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 can pretty much conclude that Jake and Mulvihill have a pass cuz Jake is our, is is insulting them at the water and power building. What are you doing here? Did they turn off your water? How would you know? You don't drink it. You don't bathe. Oh, they wrote your letter, but then you'd have to be able to read. And Mulva Hill is getting steamed and steamed and ready to to punch him until uh, John Hillerman, bless his heart, stops the bloodshed. Uh, but anyhow, by this point, uh, old foes become friends as um, Mrs. Mulray ends up hiring uh, Jake for real to. Mm. Uh, uh, look into both the disappearance of the girl that uh, Hollis was seeing and um, I guess his murder as well, since uh, he's accompanying her to the autopsy or the, the identifying the body. Um, by the way, our uh, our gasping for air coroner uh, mentions that, yes, they pulled a great uh, deal of salt water out of his lungs. Right. Did not did not drown in the in the drinking water reservoir. No. It's a, it's, he's been moved it's, there from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And there was another guy that was drowned also. He drowned in the LA river, which is essentially dry. Mm-hmm. How yeah. is all the, how are all these things happening? That, is all that, water yeah. coming that was very much yes. one of those um, extra piece of information given by supporting character moments that I, I honestly, it's a cliche <laughs> that I really enjoy, which is like, say Jake, I got another guy here who died <laughs> the same way. It's like, Oh, That's really? Great. Hmm, tell me more. I wonder if these two deaths are related. They're related. Well, and weirdly, it's the bridge that he has just seen uh, Mulray go talk to the the little uh, Mexican boy on the horse right. by, yeah. as it turns out. So it's it's a pretty easy connection to make. But I, I don't think the saltwater thing comes out until later. I think it's right. a little too early for that reveal. But right, yeah. it's it's a little bit later. And I think I think Lou Lou tells him that eventually, closer to the end. But yeah, that the reveal that there was another guy that. That drowned in two inches of water in the dry LA riverbed. Right, uh, comes out here. One of one of the things I like about this structure is it is the 
it is a classic story of a guy who pulls on a thread that he doesn't understand he's pulling. And then the thread just keeps on unraveling, right? Like he, he, you know, Jake is just going from, he's doing his legwork, right? But it, 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 and he's being diligent about it. But like, you can see as an audience member, as it all just like the scope widens and it all starts to unravel, you know, like, oh, he was murdered. It's, it's the water. We get that moment with the real estate where it's like, well, he and this other guy basically own the water department and they're buying up all the land in the valley. And, and, you know, it definitely feels like Jake is a good detective in the sense that he's going to doggedly pursue this case, but that if he looked up at any moment about halfway through, he'd be like, nope. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nope. I'm out of here. Stands up really nicely with some of the best of, of Chandler and Hammett where it's, where it's very similar, right? It's this dirty little case that actually has larger stakes. Yeah. And it's, it is, that is one of the reasons I do think it's one of the best scripts because it is so beautifully noir. It, I mean, it really mm-hmm. hits those notes. Well, and the hard thread for a movie like this to uh, put through the needle is often the detective making the right guess at the right moment. And sometimes you see a detective doing something and you say, what motivated him to do that? Well, he had to do it for the plot to advance. And in most cases, there are a couple where I question it, but in most cases, Jake is just following the thread as it is spooled out and he's not having to make giant leaps or, you know, he he does a couple of deductive things as he goes along, but they're, they're earned. They don't, they don't feel like it's too, and, and that's, I think the mark of the, the screenplay as much as the quippy line. I mean, they're great quippy lines in there, but again, they're not overdone. And so the screenplay is deeper than just sort of the dialogue moments. It's actually the structure of how the mystery is unspooled and eventually solved. And they do something here that, that I really appreciate as an audience member, which is that Jake will kind of figure something out and you can tell that like he's, he's kind of put two and two together but it doesn't reveal that to you at quite that moment. And, and you kind of figure maybe you've started to sort of put it together, but they leave it out there for a little while. They don't have him, you know, do a little voiceover or explain what he's thinking at that moment in time. It's just maybe like a five minutes later, he'll talk to another character in a very organic way and mention what he's pieced together. And so it's, it doesn't like stick out like this, okay, this is the exposition now, but it also gives you a chance to kind of hang out there, try to figure it out. And then, then when it turns out it's right, it's like, yeah, okay, I I get how that all fits together because I've been da- thinking about David it. David can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in one draft there might have been some exposition. Yeah, I think initially there was. There, there was yeah. a it, narration. It was supposed to be narration. Yeah. yeah. And and Polanski is the one who said, I want this to be in, in subjective present tense. Right. I don't want to be explaining this as if it already happened. Mm. And so we find out things as Jake finds them out. When right. Jake is knocked unconscious, we fade out until he wakes right. up. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it is it, a first-person movie. Yeah. I mean, Jake is everywhere, and we see what Jake sees. Right. And it and it plays scrupulously fair with those setups and discoveries, but it again, it doesn't telegraph. It doesn't, you know, when when he's at uh, the Mulray's house and he sees the the gardener out on the pond, and he's like, you know, oh, salt water, bad for grass, and you know that that just goes by. That's just there. And he kind of looks, he's, there's a thing in, in the pond, but then he gets distracted when she shows up and say, like, oh no, he comes back to that later. 
And and we get we get little hints of that throughout. We don't even quite know what that was. And I, I seem to recall it's been years since I, I've seen it, but Two Jakes, the misbegotten sequel to this, uh, does have the does have narration to it. Yes, it does. And, and not it, much to its detriment. It is one of the things that doesn't work about it mm. in a long list. I, and uh, it's it's weird because it's the same screenwriter. Nicholson directed that one. I've not seen it, but uh, Robert Town came back for it, which is sort of surprising that he did. I don't know where his career was at that time, but... He wanted to write. He, he was actually having a little a bit trilogy. of a renaissance then. Right. He wanted to do a trilogy, and uh, The Two Jakes is what killed it. And <laughs> The Two Jakes got delayed because Robert Evans was determined to play the other Jake. And, <laughs> and they were all like... No. <laughs> oh, Robert no. Evans. What a guy. <laughs> I, I want to talk a little more about the decision to make this first person. Um, and, and I think to me, I think that's probably the best possible move they could have made here. Um, because this is, I mean, it's a, it's a mystery film. It's a suspense film. But in some ways, it almost borders on psychological horror. Um, there's a palpable sense of dread for me when I watch this film. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've only ever seen two uh, Polanski films, this and Rosemary's Baby. Um, and in both of those, it, it, the the whole film feels like the whole deck is stacked against you and everyone around you is in on a joke that you don't know about. And I say you deliberately because the fact that they chose to film every scene from Giddis's perspective makes it feel really intimate. And it, it's, it's really hard to watch this or Rosemary's baby without getting this overwhelming sensation that you're just in the middle of a nightmare and uh, you know, everything's about to fall down and, 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 uh, and you've stepped in it. You're way too deep and bad things are going to happen at any turn. Well, it's clear. It's clear that everyone is lying to him and it's clear that, you know, of course people are dropping dead. So, yeah, it's a dangerous situation. For and him. as he's following the thread, you know, we know as moviegoers, right? It's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you know, he know, he's still following the thread doggedly, but we know there's a, this is a movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, no. Right. Like, 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 you know, it's a horror movie. It's the same thing, right? Where it's like, we know more than him, just enough to know that it, this is this is going a very bad direction. No, Jake, don't go back to the reservoir at night. Don't go. <laughs> and and I mean, we'll get to we'll get to the end obviously, but one of the things I do like about this is that we the audience get to know the whole solution to everything. We get to understand it and we get that resolution, but it doesn't quite resolve the way you want a happy private eye movie to to resolve. Nope. Um and that's I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's always going to yeah. be good. Forget but, it, David. But the beauty of that of that <laughs> tension is that there's just by nature of it being a noir, there's several minutes of at a time of you know Jake driving behind Mrs. Mulray or Jake wandering around an abandoned reservoir. Mm-hmm. Scenes that in a two hour and ten movie should make it feel interminably dull, and yet there's even through these scenes, there's just such a constant undercurrent of tension that this movie rushes by. It does not feel like a two hour, 10 minute movie. It feels like maybe half that. That's not just the sound of that first sip of morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy. Like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning, right? Just like customizing your terms. So your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
I wanted to um, talk about this. So, so this is the first time I've seen this movie. This is the premise of Old Movie Club, by the way. This is it in its rawest form. A famous movie everybody knows. And Phil says, hey, Jason, how about Chinatown? And I go, oh, I haven't seen it. Okay, you let's do it. You are the Lex of Old Movie Club. I, I, am the, I am absolutely the Lex of Old Movie Club. So um, what do I know about Chinatown? I know two things about Chinatown. I know, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Yep. <laughs> And I know well, that's all you need to know. And I that's know pretty much it. No, there's one, but there's one other key thing, which is I know that Jack Nicholson's got a big bandage on his mm-hmm. nose, right? Yeah. <laughs> which I always read is that his nose was broken. No, friends. No, 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 no. no. And we've reached that point now where stupid old Mulvey Hill basically says, "Say, hey, uh, nice nose you got there. <laughs> Shame yeah. if anything happens to it." And it's, well, it's beautiful because it's not Mulvihill who does it. It's, it's Roman no, Polanski. Polanski. Where'd you get the dwarf, <laughs> Mulvihill? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Listed in the credits as Man with Knife. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Appropriate. I mean, they could have uh-huh. gone with Man with the He also the made a film called tie, Knife but... in the Water earlier in his career. So uh, just take that for whatever it's worth. Oh, uh, so, yeah. so like Jason. Thing for Knives and Water. Yeah. Like Jason, my only, when I saw chinatown back in high school the only thing i knew oh at some point something horrible happens to jack nicholson's notes <laughs> yes and here's the horrible thing he's poking around the reservoir he gets first nearly drowned in the in the, yeah. the uh steady release mysterious of water. water releases are happening during the drought what is going mm-hmm. on with that i used to have those in high school yes exactly. <laughs> speaking of high school actually that's that's a thing that happens as you get older. Anyway, Old <laughs> <laughs> Movie Club. Late at night, you gotta, you and gotta it get up and ruins, go to the reservoir. Fresh ruins water his releases. shoe. Oh, My that's gonna be the worst. shoe. Gonna be the worst thing that happens to him in this adventure. I think <laughs> his shoe getting ruined. No, no, Mova Hill. Mova Hill uh, grabs him, and and there's Roman Polanski, man with knife. And Roman Polanski says, "Oh, you're a nosy little kitty cat, aren't you? You know what happens to <laughs> nosy kitties? They lose their noses." And at this point, the knife has gone up Jack Nicholson's nostril, and yes. with a flick of the wrist, there the nostril is now ventilated. So yeah. he does the linking rings trick. Although in this case, it's not a very good trick because there's no there's no <laughs> hidden gap in the rings just goes straight through his nose yeah. but i have to say i i love the sheer audacity of taking your leading man i mean admittedly this isn't robert mitchum here but jack nicholson he's not a bad guy you hired he's him for a, a reason man that's right i love the audacity of taking your leading man and making him walk around with a giant bandage in the middle of his face for mm-hmm. almost half if not more than yeah. that of the movie mm-hmm. it's fantastic yeah. and then even when you take it off the in which is good the evidence of the injury is still there mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what happened to you oh well did you see me earlier in the movie? Because <laughs> yeah, it it plays fair with it in a way that also a lot of movies would be like, oh, this guy got beat up, he's gonna have bruises and black eyes and all that, and it's like, and then suddenly he's Wolverine and healed yeah. up all completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as as quickly as that as that uh, clothing he was wearing that was completely soaked in the last scene is now perfectly dry. Right? Well, sure. <laughs> but this movie's like, nope, he's gonna have a big bandage on his nose the whole movie. And uh, and uh, so now I know. Now I know that it was uh, Roman Polanski as Man with Knife who did it. Do we want to talk about Roman Polanski here and how terrible he is, and whether whether we should feel guilty enjoying this movie made by a terrible man? Th- then I would never watch another movie. Again. Exactly. Well, that's <laughs> that's sort of my 
that's sort of my point of view. I mean, I, I mean, you can say at the time he was not yet as terrible as we know he is now. As far as we know, I mean, yeah. it sounds like it sounds like uh, Faye Dunaway did not have a great time with him on set. Yeah. So, no, I think he was as awful. Perhaps, it's just hadn't yeah. been caught. It wasn't. He was widely known as awful as he as he is. Yeah. Now, my my wife, who to be fair doesn't doesn't really care for this movie to begin with, just won't be in the same room with me when I watch it, in part because Roman Polanski is terrible. She also feels that way about about Woody Allen pictures. Mm. Uh, yeah, won't, sure. won't, yeah. won't watch it. I've him. gotten to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Sure. And um, he's he's um he's still alive, although he's 89. Yes. Uh, but his his output he still is working, but you know, he's been outside of the US. Uh I, I would have a hard time um w- you know I wouldn't want to support his art. Uh, on an mm-hmm. ongoing basis because he is awful. But this is one of those things where I think, I think it's the uh, like, I, I don't know. I think it's worth ta- at least mentioning that, that it is hard to separate from the art from the artist and yeah, that, yeah. and that this, that he's not a, not a great guy. Um, no. I, I was listening to a, a different podcast a couple of weeks ago and uh, they were talking about Woody Allen and, and, and it was the flop house. And one of the flop house guys basically said, yeah, I'm basically waiting for him to die and then I'll watch him again. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, that's one way right. to do it. Mm. And, um. and I mean, I, I look at this and I look at the two Jakes and it's not often that you can say, all right, uh, let's compare and contrast. Let's remove this person from the equation and see what it would be like. And whatever the alchemy is in this, the two Jakes does not have it. Right. It was also right. 1990, yeah. and this is yeah, 1974. They, 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 yes. right? yeah, also, yeah, also a couple, a decade and a half on the odometer by that point for everyone involved. So, <laughs> well, and you're you're suffering from even though it's not a sequel, even though it was intended as part of a trilogy all along, you're suffering from the fact that you have this incredibly successful thing that happened, mm. and people come back together as movie people often do. We these people did a great thing before. Let's put them back together. That's no guarantee that it's going to be great again. So it probably it may or may not have sucked if Polanski had directed it. There's no guarantee. Having not seen it, I I just I always thought that it suggested a lot that in the end Jack Nicholson directed it because <laughs> it's sort of like yeah. mm, well okay who's gonna do you can't get you can't I mean, get a real director exactly yeah. a, a to do charming it charming human being he's not in the category of Polanski but I I I right. don't have particularly warm feelings no. about Jack Nicholson as a human I, I I just mean that it it felt very much like it was his vehicle and he couldn't get find mm-hmm. anybody to direct it for him so he's like all right I guess I'll do it and so yeah. then he then he did it. But that like that, that is how I always read that is that it was either ego or it was like, literally I can't make this movie any other way. So I, I have to direct it myself. Originally, Robert town was supposed to direct it. Right. Mm-hmm. The screenwriter. And, and they had something of a falling out after mm. horrible. After falling that. Out. Yeah. I haven't seen the two Jakes either, but I would say that a large part of this film's appeal is I think that it was made in the middle of the seventies. Yeah. There's a, there's yeah. a, that seediness that sort of inundates this film that I don't think you get in any other decade and certainly not in 1990. Well, you're at, you're at peak Nicholson at this point. That too. Yeah. And you're at, and peak Dunaway too. From the noir point of view, he, this is not a period when noir was yet being celebrated. I mean, we're only 30 years out or 35 from the sort of peak of film noir, Mm -hmm. but this is by no means people going, you know what we need is more, film noir that happens in toward the 80s and so it I mean, was an 33 un- years out from the Maltese Falcon right. right and it's but this is an unusual 
kind of film, not only because it's, and I think it wears its periodness lightly, even though there's so much yeah. visual indication of its age. Uh, it's not trying to copy, I mean, the whole narration thing we were talking about before, there's a lot of narration in old noir, which is fine in some and not fine in others. And I think if there had been a narration track in this movie, it would have felt a lot more like it was copying that old style than just taking a lot of the sort of right. bones of what makes noir noir and putting it in a 70s con uh, construct because the cynicism, especially the ending, is is very, very 70s. It's very much not like late 40s noir. Now, maybe I'm, Phil will have to tell me if I'm reading too much into this or not, but given some of his past uh, selections for Old Movie Club, and I'm specifically thinking of The Long Goodbye from 1973. Um, I have a theory, which I sort of subscribe to at least a little bit here, which is what this movie has and what The Long Goodbye has a little bit is you take your 70s movie, right? Which is, like, like I've said on many occasions, you know, you can't smell it, but you know it's smelly. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, and you know what the color, you know, that earth tone color palette and you, you know what a seventies movie is. And you say, we're going to make a seventies noir movie. And it's an interesting combination. And that's, and then I, and I felt that way about the long goodbye. And I feel that way about this. It's like Shelly, I agree completely. It is very much noticeable that it's a seventies movie while also being a noir movie. And there aren't a thousand seventies noir movies, right? There aren't, that didn't happen a lot, but when you get one like this, I, you can potentially get that kind of magic mixture of the fact that it like, it feels really like a noir movie, but also Jack Nicholson is in it and it, it, and it's probably very smelly. And, uh, that, that worked for me. So Phil, is that, is that, uh, have we found your sweet spot here? The seventies noir? <laughs> yes. You, you, I, I am a big fan of uh, shaggy detective 1970s movies. Uh, uh, those two that you mentioned, The Late Show is another favorite of mine. Oh, yes. Um, taking a Pelham 123 even is a little bit a like Pelham that, right? Taking a Pelham 123 is a little is, bit like that. It's, it's shaggy and it's, I, it's I, and smelly. I even have a soft smelly. spot. I even have a soft spot for Family Plot, the last Hitchcock movie. Oh, wow. Where, oh, wow. Where you have Bruce Dern basically running around being a dirtbag detective <laughs> with his stupid pipe. And uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I have a uh, soft spot for those kind of movies. All right. Some are better than others. It's a perfect combo. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the noir, the setting and, and what's going on in the plot is generally pretty seedy business, right? And, and the detective's usually a bit of a ne'er-do-well, a bit of a scumbag. And I think when they hit the 1970s, that, the feel of the 70s, I think, is a perfect fit for what it would really be like in the noir. Right. It was the, time. The, yeah, exactly. It was time to bring it back. I mean, I think in the I think in this this movie, uh, unlike the Long Goodbye, you know, where it, it is set in the seventies, right? And uh, there's a lot of seventies stuff going on in it, right? <laughs> uh, the girls next door, the girls and all next that door sort of stuff. Them. He, the cat, he, the cat. Sure. Here, yeah, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger here, is a weird bodybuilder. They, they didn't yeah. have cats yeah. in the forties, you see. So it's a give <laughs> there, giveaway. No, they were invented with Morris. <laughs> he, he here it just seeps in. Because it was it was yeah. what was around when they're making it, and it and that sort of style just kind of comes in without without them having to write it in. It's just there. It feels right. 
Just it does feel right. That right. was what I was going to say. That, that's why I say it wears the period lightly. It neither goes back nostalgically to 1937, nor does it say we're the 70s and we're going to have like everybody with, you know, mod hair or some sort of indication that we're in the 70s. You can tell you're in the 70s if you've watched enough movies, but it feels like it wears both those periods lightly enough that it isn't a distraction. And and there's a cynicism to it that is more uh, in the, the prose of Hammett and Chandler didn't get into the movies in mm. the 30s and 40s because they had the production code. Because they the couldn't code, go yeah. as far as the books and the mm-hmm. stories. And this feels closer in spirit to those than their own adaptations. It does. But what's interesting is if you look at the style of the writing of the screenplay, and I said before, there are those quippy lines, but this is not a rat-a-tat-tat kind of movie, the way a lot of the noir, there, there was a right. sort of an affectation and a stylishness about noir that was very sort of put on. And, and you know, Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler did a lot of that. Uh, but this movie doesn't have that feel. And so it feels more authentic and less of a sort of a nostalgia trip than it otherwise would have. Nick Nicholson doesn't do rat-a-tat-tat. Just he talks too slowly. He, he, That's he true. He can't <laughs> yeah. do that. It's not, that's not his thing. It's not his thing. So um, in this next segment of the movie, uh, and we don't have to go bullet point by bullet point, but I wanted no. to mention we have, we have, we have um, Ida Sessions, mm-hmm. who, who is, is that, that the woman who was? This was yeah. the, yes. Ida Sessions is the woman who pretended to be Mrs. The, Mulray. The fake Mrs. Mulray. Diane Ladd. And she Diane gives, Ladd. she gives, I love, I love Diane Ladd. Um, she gives him the tip that there is that this is a real estate deal where basically um, they're rounding up the soon to be very valuable land in the San Fernando Valley, and they which sends him to the retirement home for an amusing well, there, scene. There's a few there's a few stops before there. First, yeah. there's the amusing scene at the um, records department with the little weasel man. Oh yes, right. um, with See, John Syracuse. I, I, I have a hot take on that. I don't oh. think he's that weasley. I think Jake is really impatient and perhaps he has a right to be, but I think Weasel Man is just doing his job. He's a records clerk for yeah. God's sake. Can I, I take this can I take this funny. record out of the Hall of Records? Sir, this is the Sir, Hall of Records. This is where the lending library. This is where the records live. <laughs> and so he tears uh, 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 and he rips out the page, which I that that was a nice moment where, you know, ten seconds before it happens, I'm like, oh well, I, I see where this is going. Yes, <laughs> I, I tear I the records out. Why, why why do you need a ruler? Uh to see better with the yeah. <laughs> measure the length of this record. Yeah, but the, the, basically that scene yes. exists so that we know that land is being transferred at an sure. astonishing clip. It's his legwork um, that he's doing, so it shows right. us the legwork. And we get to see that. giant shelves full of ledgers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the beginning of what I, I like to call the segment Jake Giddis's no good, terrible day. Oh, it's <laughs> a bad, bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so much stuff happens in one day, which we find out much later. It's like, really? All of that happened in yeah. one day? Uh-huh. Because yeah. first he heads on down to what I guess is Catalina. It was certainly seems well, to be a film there. Or yes, Malibu he, or... he gets off the boat at mm-hmm. the uh, Catalina Island Tuna Club. Uh-huh. Which is referred to as the Albacore Club here, but that is legitimately the Catalina Island Tuna Club. Ah. Uh, still looks exactly like that. Um, he, he gets, you can tell because he gets out in front of the casino, which is a very famous landmark on Catalina Island. Um, 
he gets in a car out front and he is driven to a place that looks nothing like Catalina Island in any way, shape, or form. Not at uh, all. And a little bit later, um, he asks uh, John Houston to come to uh, Mrs. Mulray's house and he says he can be there in an hour. So I'm pretty certain that's intended to be somewhere in Southern California by the yes. beach, but not necessarily not, Catalina not Island. Not Catalina, sure. Because it would take a very long time. Right. Well, this is our introduction to John Houston, who plays Noah Cross, former business partner of Hollis Mulray uh-huh. and and uh, father of uh, Evelyn Mulray, the uh, the client yes. and the wife of the dead dude. So that's convenient. Anyhow, hmm. he is super. <laughs> he is super creepy. Oh, I've the, never had a character make my skin crawl more than John. There Houston is did. not oh, yeah. a moment where there is not a moment where you're watching John Houston in this movie and you think he's probably okay. Just yeah. a little <laughs> and, what, and what does he call Giddies? Gits, Mr. Gits? Gits, Mr. Gits. The whole time. Uh, At one point he's corrected and he says Giddies, so he, you know he heard it, but he oh, continues yeah. to call he him did, Gits he after does, that. He gets, yeah, that's the only time he mm-hmm. says it. Yeah. He's corrected I, two or three times, but... I'm always tickled by the scene where he asks, are you sleeping with my daughter? That, because at the yes. time, jo- uh, Jack Nicholson sure was with Angelica. And uh, that was, that, that gives me a little, little hee Oh, man. But that uh, line, that mm-hmm. line, uh, it's, he's, he's asking about Mrs. Mulray, which is, of course, his daughter. Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know later when he asks, are you sleeping with her? And he's got this leer on his yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, mm-hmm. it literally makes me want to vomit. It's yeah. so vile. He's pretty terrible. And within about a minute and a half of meeting him, uh, we do have another one of those little Chekhov moments where he's like, let me show you this list. And, and he pulls out glasses and he has to look uh, carefully through the glasses. He goes, yeah, I, I, I don't know these names. The, um, Very nicely done. I, I, in addition to what we learn about, uh, about his character and his history with his daughter, which is terrible. Um, we also, I mean, I always, I was reading it as, um, it's his business partner who marries his daughter. Yes. So like leaving aside, which, you know, you can't really, but like just for a moment, um, that he, he raped his daughter. Mm -hmm. He also apparently passed his daughter on to his business partner. Or his business partner re- is or rescuing rescued her, her, right? Which is okay, the way, the way not... Evelyn explains it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he. I think he. Mm. I lean to the side of him rescuing her. That's the way right. she interprets it. It's and they go off to Mexico. At least to me, that they're not even intimate because they're talking about how you know he's right. he's cheating. He would and she's also sleeping be. With he would also guys. be much older than her. One well, would. One well, would that, think. that was yeah. that was sort of my yeah. point. Is that I, yeah. I it, the whole thing just screams unpleasantness, right? Because not oh, yes. only is there yes, what yes. we the revelation about John Houston, yeah. but but just the fundamental like, well, wait a second, you're you he's your business, and he was married to you know, right? It's like oh, ooh, you know, right? Like that yeah. doesn't add no, up. It's it's skeevy from the outside, yeah, but I, yeah. I really feel like that the marriage is intended to be just for the look of the thing. And he's saving her, and it's a rift between them because he's decided to get her out of there. Yeah. Right. And and the nice thing, like a lot of 70s movies, uh, they leave it up to you, really, to decide, you know, how do I interpret this? All those interpretations work. Yeah, because there's zero scenes in which they're together. He's, yeah, he's right. <laughs> the only time we see him alive, he's at that meeting. And so we, you, there's a lot of interpretation. <laughs> or he's wandering the reservoirs of LA County. Just, well, yeah. there's His that. true love, water. But one thing I will say for John Houston, you should, sir, you, you should serve the fish with the head on it. But... <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 
So uh, there from there, Let, from nice, there, nice, nice tense scene. By the way, that whole yes. thing of like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the serving the fish. Ugh. It's it's not just designed to let the two of them fight. It is also designed to distract you from the glasses moment. Ah, uh, the feeling there is I could have you killed at any moment, and that's. Very yes, unnerving. and it's one of those nice noir moments that has absolutely no noir lighting at all. It's very bright. You're outside in the sunlight. You're in a beautiful scene. You're having a nice lunch together, but it's terrifying. That's what I mean, L.A. noir it, is all about, right? Is some mm-hmm. of the most terrifying stuff happens in the bright sunlight of mm-hmm. L.A. It doesn't actually uh, help <laughs> any of the seediness go away. I also, also, I feel like, and this is in hindsight, like it's also a moment where it's like, oh, here we go. It's John Houston and Jack Nicholson going, you know, going against each other in this moment. Like it has that feeling too, to me of this is a, this isn't just a confrontation. It's a classic confrontation of these two kind of legendary actors. Well, it's a callback to, to film noir from the very beginning with John Houston. There's so many, so many great little moments where, where, uh, where Jake drops something that indicates he knows more than he probably should. (laughs) And the, the look that crosses John Houston's face in those moments is just beautiful. It's like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I was talking before we started, I was talking with Lauren about it because she watched this movie with me. And what she she said, she said, I was thinking about Chinatown today. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what's this? Where's this going? And she said, um, I forgot. She said, all of these things <laughs> are, um, all of these, all of these things that like, there are many bad decisions that Jack Nicholson makes that, that or questionable decisions. And I said, I said, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I, you know, I think he's making bad decisions. And she says, yeah, well, that's, that's my point. It's not that it's a flaw in the movie. It's that it is that flaw in the character that he does some stuff where you're like, Oh, if only you were a better detective. <laughs> well, it's the whole theme. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's the whole, it's yeah. the whole story behind that. Uh, you know, when he was working in Chinatown, he right. was generally told by the district attorney to do as little as possible. And it's because there are so many different threads, you know, different gangs and factions in Chinatown that you could very easily make an attempt to do something good and end up getting somebody killed, which yep. it's strongly suggested is exactly what happened to him with a, a woman in Chinatown, and that's why he left the police force. And uh, it, there's, a, there's a moment later where he's in bed with Mrs. Mulray, and he's discussing this, and he, he says this, th- he says all these things, and it's just pure foreshadowing. It's like, I was trying to keep someone from being hurt, and I ended up making sure that she was hurt. And uh, you can't always tell what's going on. Like with you is another thing that he says. Mm. <laughs> and they just... don't tell you what the ultimate outcome of that story is. And I don't think they need to. The no. only hesitation I have about the whole Chinatown backstory thing is it's sort of, to me, it feels a little bit racist in the sense of saying, oh, we white cops, we can't possibly understand what's going on in Chinatown. Well, probably because you're terrible at policing in that area, for one thing, and you don't have any Chinese cops. <sighs> Okay, I'll just chill the, out and watch the movie. You're literally the LAPD. <laughs> I yes. mean, yeah. right. <laughs> but but I think that that uh, that statement to do as little as possible actually came from a discussion that somebody who made the film had had with somebody who did police work in Chinatown. I mean, it's it's very that complicated. That doesn't mean my point isn't right. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. no, it's 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 it could just be because of incompetence or racism or whatever or you know, but but for whatever reason, it's very complicated and and. I, the reason you don't have to hear more about what happened in the past in Chinatown is because that exact same thing is what's playing out right yeah. before you here. And the amazing thing here is that in the moment, while you're watching what Jake's up to, at least 
to me, it doesn't seem like he's making bad decisions. I mean, there are places where you're like, uh, Jake, you're kind of pushing it there. You're getting a little yeah. too close to John Houston. But you, the, the threads that he's following and the decision that he's making, for the most part, uh, seem like the right thing to do. And then and, in and hindsight, you're like, oh, what? yeah, mm. yep. You set it in motion <laughs> with with the story that he tells about his past, and with the story we're watching now, and you know everything is leading up to the line. You know we make fun of it, but forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. It's that's just the way it is. And you know, several times ago, uh, I started noticing all these moments in the movie where forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown would be a fitting line. It's just. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. Yep, they say that. The way the ball bounces. So I should make one other plot note before we we leave uh, 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 John Houston for a bit. He uh, hires uh, 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 Gittis to f- to find the girl, Mister Gitts, and he he sure seems interested in that uh, that girl that Hollis was hanging out with. Mm, find probably the girl. nothing to it. Wonder why? I, I and, just want to know that she's safe, Mister. Anyhow, mm-hmm. we go we go to the San Fernando Valley where uh, the water department has told uh, Jake that all those the, the water runoffs are well. We're diverting some water to the valley to to help the farmers there. That's news to the farmers who are yeah. quite angry. The orange seeing, groves at at. Jake and uh, basically uh, we have car versus horse race through yes. the uh, through the orange groves. <laughs> Very exciting. Very this exciting. Is such a great sequence. I love the drive down the long row of orange groves, mm-hmm. and then the sudden emergence of a man on horseback at the with, end of it with a rifle, <laughs> right? Followed yeah. by the mad reverse down the same row, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a random flock of geese scatters in front of his car that, for some reason, is just chilling amongst the orange groves. Well, you know, normally orange groves are pretty chill places to hang out. Ah, oh, it's just great. They're it's certainly great. undisturbed by water as of late. <laughs> and and now this is the thing I hadn't noticed until this time around because I hadn't read all about the history of Disney and stuff. This is basically how Disney accumulated the land for Disneyland. Yeah. Was going in and buying up all the orange groves and the orange farmers in in a place that nobody wanted to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's now now very clear this is a uh, real estate slash you know water supply mm-hmm. scam that is going on here. So after the farmers kick the living credit, oh yes, Jake, and <laughs> then and, and then politely call his employee since he has Mrs. Mulray's card in his pocket. Mm-hmm. After they you know beat him senseless, they go, "Well, we should we should call someone to retrieve him." Yep, I guess. Well, in in fairness to the farmers, he did call them dumb okies. He yes. did. He yes. did. He, he that was Them's that was kind words. of a mistake, right? Yes. So now she's she's in on the no good terrible day. They go to a rest home in Mar Vista, which is where all the uh, landowners in uh, uh-huh. in uh, uh, the the San Fernando Valley are being parked until they shuffle off this mortal coil and their their uh, their holdings can be transferred to uh, presumably the uh, evil forces behind this. Uh, some of them terrible are, scheme. Some of them are already dead. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But still right. buying land, just but private st- to buy. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know they're they're really good at speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. There, there, there's a you know some nice comic moments where where Jake is pretending to like uh, put his dad in the in the raisin ranch and uh, and uh, uh, poking around and it's it's and and it's it works great until it doesn't because Mulvihill is there with his little knife wielding dwarf friend and. Uh, yep. Suddenly, uh, Jake has to do an escape as they're firing guns at him. And, and this is the point where Faye Dunaway says what we're all thinking. 
is this a normal day for you? (laughs) (laughs) Because this seems excessive. Um, This is where we get a little bit of the limited backstory that the movie gives us, where Jake talks about his time in Chinatown and uh, do as little as possible. uh, Don't get involved. Oh, I tried to help someone once and I made it worse somehow. That's all we get. That's our insight into... (laughs) into Jake. And, and this is where he they tip over into sleeping together. And just, yeah, so just, that, just that, for the record, a seduction pro tip, when making an overture to a woman, mm-hmm. try exposing your festering open nose wound. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> Chicks yes. love it. No, two steps, Steve. You're, you're leaving out the, the steps of the pickup artist. One, show her your open wound. Two, uh-huh. Comment on her weird eye. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't forget the classic pickup line. Do you have any peroxide? <laughs> I'm just saying I did all of these things and she still married me. Oh, well then. Well then. Okay, but suddenly <laughs> after um after their 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 post-coitus uh moment of of character exposition, suddenly Mrs. Mulray gets a call and has to leave. Mm, and she says, hey, Jake, don't follow me, she says to the <laughs> detective. Detective. <laughs> whose entire It has career, nothing to do with what we've been talking about this entire who, movie. Who don't has follow just me. Been, who has just been saying, what's your deal, lady? Right. Yeah. No, I got an urgent call. It's nothing. Don't worry. It's not. I gotta go. <laughs> it's nothing. Gotta go now, right? It's very important. It has nothing, nothing to do with any of this. Mm-hmm. No, it's all good. It's not so, a guy. No, well, it is. It's 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 um it's James Hong, everyone. It's James the Hong. Yay. Yay. I love James Hong. It's the butler, and he she's driven to his house, where we see the girl being kept against her will. Who knows? Through a window, it's hard to say. But Jake uh, naturally assumes that uh, he's again being played for a sucker, not for the first time in this movie. Right. Well, I mean, she is screaming and crying, and she is mm-hmm. drugged seemingly yes. against her will, at least initially. Mm-hmm. So it's not the, the the worst deduction that you could make given the situation and mm-hmm. how little you actually know about Mrs. Mulray. So at this point, Giddis uh, confronts Faye Dunaway, uh-huh. confronts Mul- Mrs. Mulray, and she says, oh, don't. D- yes, this is this is um, um, uh, the girl that Hollis was catting around with, but it's OK. She's, she's my, my sister. She, she's my, she's sister. my sister. She's my sister. It's OK. Oh, okay. I'll I'll buy that. I'm gonna well, go home for now a minute. And... There, I thought things were weird, but now that I know she's your sister, everything's okay. So, yeah. so it turns out there's a third thing I knew about Chinatown, but I didn't know it was from Chinatown, <laughs> and it's my sister, my daughter, my sister, and my daughter. Well, the cops have to get involved before that, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jake uses his incredible interrogation techniques, which we all want to emulate as good detectives slapping people yeah around. well again this this is later because first he has to he has to go home he gets well, for, lured first, to I mean, we got two th- we got two yeah. things here one is she's my sister which of course is halfway there mm-hmm. to, to where we want to go but also at some point while they're in the car she drops her head onto the steering wheel and sets off the horn yeah. which is also something that comes back at the end of the movie uh, yes. oh that's true that's true i've never noticed that before oh. thank you thank you for I, I actually did not ever do, do the one-to-one connection. Yeah, oh. Nor did I. I noticed it when it happened, but I didn't connect the two. You, mm-hmm. That's a good point. By the way, there are also a lot of albacore on various people's walls in the movie that I noticed for the first time. 
is that John Hillerman's got a yeah, just a random picture of a of a tuna on the, the wall. The thing I noticed this time is um, in the opening when uh, Burt Young is leaving the office, he's muttering stuff about catching skipjack. Catching skipjack, yeah, because yeah. he's a he's a fisherman. He's a fisherman, and I said, "Oh, hey, Albacore, that's going to come up it's again come several back, yeah. times." <laughs> it's it's Chekhov's Albacore. Mm-hmm. Or Applecore, depending on who you mm-hmm. talk yeah. to. Yeah, at what point in the movie you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's time to catch up with Ida Sessions. Uh, Jake is lured to her house to, yeah. to find out how she's doing. Uh, she's uh, quite dead, is, is the yeah, answer. Yeah. You, you can try. Like everyone that Jake is involved with. Yeah, she's been cut up, and uh, oh, good, Escobar and, and Loach are there. And, uh, and this is when uh, Jake probably makes one of his first of uh, significantly dumb moves to to, to the Denouar. <laughs> he tries to to hey hey, there's a big thing going on where the Department of Water and Power is letting off all this water, and they're dr- they're they're bleeding the the valley dry so they can buy it at uh, cut cut uh, rate prices, and uh, uh, and they go to uh, to uh, John Hillerman, and John Hillerman says, "No, that's not that's not what's happening at all. He's a crazy man." And who do you think the cops are going to believe? Uh, mm. Respectable John Hillerman or uh, or crazy slash face Jack Nicholson? <laughs> Even though the cop, of course, was a friend and perhaps partner of Jack Nicholson. I think, that, I, was, I think that's especially why he doesn't. Maybe. That's a, <laughs> yes. Jack yeah. Nicholson, yes. you're an idiot. I don't believe anything you say. Mm. <laughs> I know you personally. So then we get your classic, your classic uh, shady detective move where, okay, fine, I'll bring in Mrs. Mulray. Let's drive down to San Pedro. She's, she's hanging out there. Hey, let me go in alone and I'll bring her out to you. And uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, by this point, we realize that this is Burt Young's house. Hey, Burt Young, Chekhov's Burt Young yeah. <laughs> appears in the movie. And basically, it's, this has all been a ruse to uh, allow Jack Nicholson to shake the cops. Right. Um, but before we do that, of course, we get to meet uh, Burt Young's wife, who's got <laughs> a who's got a black got guy, a bruises, got a, got a mouse under her. Yeah. Eye, uh, by yeah. the way, he's wearing what I believe is colloquially called a wife beater. <laughs> huh. Imagine that. Anyway, they escape out the back. <laughs> <laughs> but he's yeah, he's a good guy. Uh huh. Yeah. Actually, be- I like that. I really like that detail, right? Because he could be a good guy, and the movie's like he's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. But before we get to Burt Young's house, uh, we have uh, Shelley's thing because oh, that's right. Jake that's- goes back to Mulray's house. This is a very complicated plot. It really oh, is. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Oh yeah, there's there's a more more plot than than you can shake a stick at. So in, in here or a knife. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but this is where we get salt water is very daughter. bad for the glass. Mm-hmm. My sister, my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because first uh, Jake goes goes to the the Mulray mansion and finds that it's being packed up because Mo- Evelyn's skipping town. She's leaving and, town. Uh, yeah. And uh, this is where we have the big reveal that hey, that little pond in the backyard of the uh, of the Mulray house that has salt water in it. Yeah, it's he he connects it. It's like very bad for the grass. And yeah. that's when he remembers that he saw this th- the thing, and yeah, he pulls out the glasses and he goes, "Oh, uh-huh. maybe Mulray yeah. and These his glasses." And I like that the gardener in that scene is completely willing to just submerge himself almost up to his hips in that water in order to reach for it. For he is a he is a professional, and he's got the hip waders. He, he all he cares about all he cares about is the grass, Shelley. I, he just wants that grass. To the grow. man has got one obsession, and it's the grass. He, his client is not the Mulrays; it's the grass. 
It turns out that it's not just a racist caricature because that pond is also bad for the glass. Yeah, bad for glasses. Uh, Which yeah. is the joke I made at the beginning of the show. Ah, yes. thank you, Shelley. You're welcome. So Jake goes to confront uh, 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 Evelyn at uh, James Hong's house. Uh, and don't give me that crap that she's your sister. Well, she's my daughter. And this is the very famous scene where uh, uh, Jack Nicholson slaps her from pillar to post while she alternates between she's my sister, she's my daughter, she's my sister, and my daughter. So mm-hmm. this is where the full reveal of the horrible things that uh, John Houston has done to his daughter are uh, are uh, brought out into the right. open. And also, by the way, those aren't my husband's glasses. Right. The- yeah, because so, he didn't, wear, he didn't bifocals. wear bifocals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's... Because Jake has basically accused her of killing the husband Mm -hmm. before all Mm -hmm. this reveal goes on. And she's like, well, no, I I can prove I didn't. They're not his glasses. And then he immediately switches tacks and starts slapping her around. (laughs) At this point, he's also already called the cops over to the house. So he's set into motion. Which is a little bit of a problem. but The the badness that's about to proceed from here. Uh, Yes, this is when we do the side side quest to Burt Young's house. And uh, we, we, we lose the cops. And Bert Young is going to meet up with Evelyn and her sister daughter and uh, ferry them down to Mexico on his boat. And that's going to be our big uh, escape plot. Let's see if it works out first. (laughs) Let's go uh, confront... uh, Noah Cross back at the the Mulrain mansion. Yes, yes. So so Uh, remember earlier when I said that that he makes some questionable decisions? Yeah, this is, this is a good one, this right? Would be one of them. Which is like, mm-hmm. hey, powerful rich guy, uh, why don't you just come over? And uh, sure, surely I've got this all under control, and have, could not like feel free to bring a henchman. Yeah, yeah. not <laughs> like bring in the bring in my cops buddies at this point because I figured something out. No, 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 I'm gonna do it all on my own. It'll be fine. Well, that's that's one of the nice things that I noticed this time is you know his car pulls up. And he's immediately there at the, the the doorway, and he's coming in. And and all I could think was, oh, of course, because you're not parking the car. Mm. There's someone else. <laughs> to some extent, I think this very very dumb move may be partly just to get uh, Noah Cross out of the way so that Evelyn can escape with the daughter, mm. occupy him. I, I think he's less concerned about his personal safety than that at this point, because oh, let's be frank, <laughs> clearly he's the reason that they can't just drive away. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is either just genuinely the dumbest thing you could possibly do, or it's marginally heroic. It's it's hard to say which. Mm-hmm. I I or also think he he wants to stick it to cross personally. He doesn't want to leave it to the cops. Oh, he doesn't sure. want to just be like here, you know. It's like no, I figured out you did it. Yes, but I have my thugs here, so... Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful scene, though, between Nicholson and Houston, where we, we sort of get the, the, uh, the, the, the plot basically being, yes, I, am, I, I, I have a vision, and my vision is a giant the city. The of, future! The future, Mr. Gitz! They're, gonna, <laughs> they're basically going to, we're going to build L.A. It's a stupid desert. No one can live here. We're going to spit in God's eye and take all this water and uh, allow people to live. Uh, bring the city to the water is what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, but yes, I also have Mulvihill here and he's got a gun. And <laughs> you don't take us to the girl. Really, Jake, a detective of your age and experience, you probably should have thought of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. And finally, two hours into a movie called Chinatown, we get to go. 
to Chinatown ah. because that's where um, Evelyn Mulray is hiding out uh, and being picked up by Burt Young and they're going to escape. Except, uh, sorry, folks, the, the cops have gotten there and arrested Jake's associates and uh, and uh, Noah Cross is now there with uh, Mulvihill and everyone is there on the the. The, the streets of Chinatown fussing and a feuding and and Jake's trying huh. to explain it all to Escobar and and, and it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing that that gets set up where Jake says you know if I don't show up at X time to his partners you go and wait for me in Chinatown and clearly the reason the cops are there is because they followed the partners they were yeah. smart enough to follow the leg men mm-hmm. and uh, we get uh, nice nice creepy scene where John Houston yeah. introduces himself to the sister daughter oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm your grandfather yeah and okay. it just keeps getting mm-hmm. creepier yes. and creepier and he's got I did not know that John Houston had like plant man hands where they're like tentacles that he's, <laughs> he's using oh to, to, yeah no they're oh, amazing lord oh. oh that's it's just horrible anyhow Evelyn decides that this is not going to work out in her favor at all because her 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 father owns the cops he owns everything so she um shoots John Houston manages to only wing him how could you how could you miss you're standing that close yeah you're, and he's wearing like a white vest it's easy to yeah. see him I mean yeah she gets him in the shoulder and he goes oh that, that tickled oh and she drives away with the the daughter but uh, unfortunately Lieutenant Escobar is a much better shot than than she is I think Loach is the one who ends up oh that's yeah, it's right. Loach it's yes. Loach that's right because Escobar shoots in the air and and Jake tackle tries to tackle him and and then it's 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 stupid Loach oh I hate Loach and he he's a very good shot good name yeah. And, You'll shoot uh, your eye out, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Spoiler alert. He, he shoots her eye out. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a scene that happens 20 seconds from now, so I hope yeah. you're not saddened when you get there. Oh, yeah. no, we didn't tell them to pause and, and then <laughs> press play. And, uh, yeah. and, and, then, and then she falls and, and hits triggers the, the spoiler hits the horn. the thing, which I've now been told has been foreshadowed. What an idiot I've been yeah. for the past uh, 40 years. But not for that reason. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so she's uh, she's dead. She's, she's dead. dead. He's gotten mm-hmm. her killed. You know who's not coming back in the two Jakes is Faye Dunaway. Um, she has a voice cameo in it. She does, but she's she not does, but she's but not there. No, she doesn't no. appear on camera. No. Uh, and of course, who manages to spirit away with the daughter? Why well, it's Noah Cross. Yeah. So I have. Uh, a, a happy family ending. I have seen a lot of really <laughs> nasty things in movies over the years as a big horror movie fan. Mm-hmm. I have to say the sight of John Huston absconding with his daughter slash granddaughter mm-hmm. while he shushes her and stifles her screams and makes little cooing noises at her. Oh, is, oh, and covers her eyes. Yeah. Because remember that she's not just screaming because this strange man has grabbed her. She's just seen her sister mother sure. killed. But yes. she doesn't know what's coming. But it, and it's, it, this is, it's this terrifying. Is... And it's it's that there was actually this Polanski wanted that ending. Robert Town didn't want that ending. He wanted it to end more happily. And that was why That's they right. fell out. At the well, time maybe this was the, the happy ending from Polanski's perspective. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh. yeah, this is the, le- legitimately one of the most haunting things I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, it's it, pretty terrible. It's uh, it's terrible bad. in a in a good for the story sense. But terrible yeah in a, in I, a, I think uh, it, it was it was right as an ending but you're watching Lord. it and it's just awful and, and it is one of 
it is easily the creepiest ending I've ever seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. To this day. And Which is when we get when we get the famous line, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown from one of the, the yep. Ding Dong associates. And better words have never been said. <laughs> <laughs> Try to forget that, buddy. I, I'm never a hundred hundred percent clear here whether Lou is somewhat in on what's going on here or whether he's just he's just, you know, inept. Um, he does just let John Houston take the daughter off, you know, somewhere, which seems like a bad thing. Um, but he, I, I think, I think him sending away Jake at this point is like he he foresees that he might go berserk and go on a killing spree mm-hmm. at this well, point. Well, he says, he says, "I'm doing you a favor, Jake. Go, just yeah." Get but out. whether that's whether that's I'm doing you a favor because I know what's going on here, and yeah. you don't want to be think in this Escobar any deeper. Has not or... risen to the position of a lieutenant in the. Los Angeles Police Department by uh, being scrupulous about mm, yeah. wrapping up all the loose ends. I think Maybe. I think he knows Especially when, when to cut his, yeah, yeah. cut his yeah like losses. right now as as far as he knows as far as he needs for his report. Evelyn Mulray was the killer. Sure, they yep. got her. Yep, done. But, and and if he gets Jake out of there immediately, then Jake is is basically free and clear. Right, that's right. You know, right. I'm so, going to sweep this all under the rug, so you should not be. Um, by the rug when I do that. Right. <laughs> Just don't, get out don't. of here. One of the things we toyed with was doing this as a double feature with LA mm-hmm. Confidential, but then we didn't want a six-hour podcast. No, so, yeah. but, so, fair. but yeah. it is. But it is very much the uh, the here are the cops. They're going to fix it. It's not going to be mm-hmm. the truth, but it's going to be yep. neat yeah. and pat and done. Well, because John and Houston is the most powerful man in Los Angeles. That's right. He's going to get what he that's wants. Right. There, there's your sequel to Jake's. Not mm-hmm. you. You're terrible. Go to LA Confidential. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, oh, I would love to talk LA Confidential. LA Confidential. That's about right. It's not old enough. No, we have to wait. <laughs> Give it we another ten about, years. We have to wait about ten more years. It is. It is like a last century movie club. So it's almost there. <laughs> Twenty-five. Well, yeah. Twenty-five almost five years enough. ago, something like that. Ninety-seven. Oy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Chinatown, everybody. Fun China- for the entire da, da, family. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Chinatown. <laughs> Woo! Mm-hmm. That was the original ending line where all the actors turned to the camera and went, Chinatown! <laughs> Chinatown. <laughs> With jazz hands. Yeah. I did I did have a uh, a Simpsons moment about halfway through when I said to myself, when are they going to get to Chinatown? But they got to Chinatown. <laughs> and, Again, Jason, this is what I said as a teenager. I said, yeah. this movie doesn't have a lot of Chinatown no. in it. <laughs> now, but it does. It's a. It's just more of a metaphorical Chinatown. It's, it's, it's not the quantity. It's the quality. I, I mean, plenty of town. Yeah, and there's a fair smattering yeah. of China, Robert but not Town. so much Chinatown. That's right. It's all Robert Town, 100% town. There's there's even actual China in, in that fish scene, the lunch scene. That's right. Yeah. So, Chinatown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good How did everybody feel about it? Well, I love it. Um, it's, it is legitimately a great movie. It It does what it says on the box, and it is... It is its Sh- own unique thing. It does show you Chinatown. I was going to say, it barely shows, but, it does what it says on the box. That doesn't matter to me, but... <laughs> but, but no, it, it, is, it is literally this weird hybrid of, of 40s and 70s. There's not a lot of those, and the others don't work. This is the one, right? And yeah. It yeah. Just, it's so good. It's very good. And as I said before, it, I think what really makes it work in that way is that you can see the 70s and you can see the 40s, but it is neither 
nostalgic yeah. nor hypermodernist. And there's the score, which we haven't talked about, is really wonderful. Jerry Goldsmith uh, and understated. Wrote it in 10 days. There's so much understated. Second, second choice for the uh, the score. I forget mm. who was going to do it originally, but it didn't work. So they said, uh, "Jerry Goldsmith, you do it." They picked the right person, and yep. and and it's just it's none of it's overdone. I mean, even Jack Nicholson, who who can ham it up. Uh, and I am not a Jack Nicholson fan, and I don't think he's a handsome man. Sorry. Um, however, I, he's he's good in this movie. I don't think he's well, transcendent. What do you think I of mean, the festering nose wound? Well, I try that, not to, but yes, that's uh, even better. <laughs> that's acting and, right and there. And I mean, I'm I, I will say I'm not a fan of Jack Nicholson, and I'm not a fan of Faye oh. Dunaway, and I like them in this. There are films that I like him in. I'm just not a fan of it. Awkwardly, my but. closing note was going to be. We forget how really good an actor Jack Nicholson is. Yeah, because yeah, he is. From, no, he from, is. From, from Batman on, it be well. Wait till they get a load of me, and then yeah. they yeah. sort of hamming well, it up. From Jack Nicholson for his entire career has basically just played Jack Nicholson, so he's gotten very good at it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The uh, Drang, Drang mentioned in the seventies he he was on a roll because he did this. He did. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There's King of Marvin Gardens. There's uh, Five Easy Pieces. Five Easy yeah. Pieces. Uh, okay. yeah. uh, I no, there's some on, great things in there. I mentioned on, on Magnum Podcast a couple episodes back, I just watched Missouri Breaks, a terrible movie that he's yeah. very good in. Uh, yes. He, yeah. He's very good in <laughs> that. Mean, he's he's <laughs> the 70s actor. He's yeah. not I the mean, problem. If, if you have Breaks. to choose one, it's him. I mean, yes, yeah. there's Warren Beatty. Yes, there's Gene Hackman. But at the top has got to be Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you know, how many, I don't remember, did he win Academy Awards all those years? I mean, but he was he won, nominated he won all just those for years. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. He, he's in Reds. I wouldn't recommend watching Reds. I don't like that movie, but he's great in that. But Jack Nicholson, he's, he's A-OK. And a handsome man. I will fight anyone to the death <laughs> over that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not willing to fight you to the death, Phil. You could just have your own opinion. But <laughs> OK, well, that's fair enough. All right. I guess. As for me, I think this He's is. He's handsome. Admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a fantastic movie. Uh, exceedingly well made, well acted, uh, beautifully shot. Uh, the plotting is fantastic. The script is great. It's not something I'm going to revisit a lot. And uh, mm. it's not something I revisited since, what, 25 years ago, the first time I saw it, because it is so overwhelmingly bleak. It uh, is a bleak movie. And I will say that that's also one of the best things about it, but it's also something that makes me not necessarily want to spend a whole lot of time back in that world again, because I know how nope. things go. <laughs> um, but yeah, fantastic film. Uh, a little bit of a tough watch, um, but, uh, but just I, it's definitely one of the greats in my book. Yeah, I, f- I first saw this movie in college, which was only a few years after it came out. And uh, I saw it on projected. It was uh, my college had um, on weekends, lecture halls were rented out to students groups. And they and this was one of the favorite movies uh, that that people, student groups would uh, would rent and then sell tickets for because it was a big seller. You know, they were, they were, they'd, they'd sell out. And so I saw it probably a couple times projected that way. And then a few times, um, you know, on, on TV or whatever. Um, it is for, for folks who are listening, as far as I know, still going to be on, uh, what's the name of that? Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y, which your local 
library. library may have a subscription to, and so your library card may get you a, a way to see this for free. And I thought it looked good on Canopy. So, uh, and if you have it, you HBO know, it's Max, some... it's on HBO Max. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, I'm a cheapskate, so I, <laughs> I did the canopy route. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, no, I have always that's the route I took. No, it seriously. Did yeah. you know that your local seriously? Just a little PSA here. Your local library will let you check out digital books, and they will probably let you watch movies and TV shows on Canopy. So just ask a friendly local yeah. librarian. Yeah. There's there's Canopy. There's also Hoopla. There is also Hoopla. Yes, indeed. I have always loved this movie because because of the, the way it is. It has this, uh, you know, as, as Shelley has said, it's got this '70s vibe sort of in its core. While it has, while it's written as a uh, as a '40s noir, and it's just, it, it, you know, yes, everybody's bad because everybody's bad. That's that's the way it is. And right. the higher up you are, the worse you are uh, until you get to know across. Uh, they, uh, I am generally not a fan of Faye Dunaway, but I think she's excellent in this movie. And there is a, a tremendous special effects uh, effect in this movie is her, uh, her, uh, profile when she's in bed with, with Jack Nicholson, she's lying on the pillow sideways, looking at him and his, her hair is somehow it's as if it's blown back, <laughs> but you, and her cheekbones and it's fantastic. Um, so I, it's a great movie. I was, I am happy that uh, this came up and that I was able to jump in and be on this podcast so I could watch it again. And, and I will say, I joked about tunes at the beginning. It, it shows how sturdy a plot this is, that it, it is basically the plot of Who Framed Roger yep. Rabbit. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. I, yes, and, I, was, I should have mentioned mm-hmm. that, yes. And, you know, it, it, isn't, it doesn't diminish either film, right? It's, it's a good plot. They just, yeah. you know, they don't do the sister-daughter thing. But, you know, aside from that... Oh, my they sister, up. my daughter, my sister, my daughter! It would have been hilarious! <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not bad, I'm drawn that way. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so... um. Hey, Phil, Chinatown? Yeah. It's a good movie. Did you know? That's great. Yeah, isn't it great? Local man discovers- Someone should write something about that. (laughs) Local man discovers classic movie is good. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, so and and I do I do think there is something very special and magical about the smelly '70s cinema and film noir mm-hmm. being stuck together, um, you know, stuck together like by some gum you found on the sidewalk, and it's everything is gross and all that, but it it, it somehow it all works together. So thank you for selecting it. Um, I also think Jack no Nicholson is good. He is he is doing the Jack Nicholson thing, but he does it really well. And he doesn't imagine really well that in this movie. So. A lot of lot of acting with his eyes in this in this movie. Check it out. Well, it's not his nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the <laughs> no. nose is not acting. No, his nose takes the nose movie is very off. method. It's yeah. just like yeah. it was. It was probably a bet he had with Robert Evans. It's like <laughs> I could act this movie with this with my nose covered up. I'm that good. Yeah. He's like, all right. Well, let's do. <laughs> well, that. you're on. And so they. And so he did. Oh. The bandage is in the picture. Well, <laughs> well, Phil, how'd we do? I did not. I, I, th- I think it's great. I, I'm really happy that people enjoyed talking about it. And, yeah. uh, and the best thing about uh, seeing old movies and talking about old movies with your pals is that you get different perspectives and learn different things. Yeah, like that thing about the, the horn. You're never going to forget that mm-hmm. now. 
Yeah. It's true. No. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Also, and, and the next time you watch, just keep an eye out for tuna. <laughs> tuna yeah. everywhere. It's, it's yeah. everywhere. A lot of tuna in this movie. Yep. Sorry, Jay. That was the. Yeah. I was going to say the, that was the alternate <laughs> ending. Sorry, was, Char- sorry so, Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> sorry, Charlie. It's Chinatown. All right, that's it. We're done. Thank you, David J. Lore. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Steve Lutz. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Uh, politicians, ugly buildings, and podcasters all get respectable if they last long enough. So I'm proud to be here on this old movie old, club. Uh, Shelley Brisbane. Thank you. I look forward to joining you again in the future. future. (laughs) Dr. Drang, thank you. Uh, I've got to go ring out my goddamn floor shimes. (laughs) (laughs) And Philip Michaels, thank you once again for taking control of Old Movie Club. Just find the spoiler horn, Mr. Snails. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this latest edition of The Incomparable. We will see you next time.